right. All right, men. Well, good morning. Hey, can we stand up on our feet, please? And uh, let's go ahead and and I want to begin just by reminding us uh, who we are as a, a disciple, as a follower of uh, Jesus. So let's go ahead and recite together uh, the creed. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudettes, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. All right, guys. <laughs> Father God, we just uh, come to you and and Lord, we have gathered together as men to seek your face here this morning. God, we ask that you would just lead us and guide us into your truth. We pray right now that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to each and every one of us. God, we ask that you would continue to do a mighty work in transforming us into the men of God that you would have us to be, men that would reflect your glory to a world that's sitting in darkness. And so, Father, bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So 2020, here we are. Two months into it uh, already. You remember that our breakfast two months ago, we sat and talked about 
What's the year look like? Where do I want to be one year from now in my relationship with the Lord? I think everybody agrees that we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So we want to be stronger Christians. We want to be more of who God is changing us into and, and continue to, to develop and continue to grow. To never be satisfied with how high on the mountain of God that you have climbed, but to realize that God is ever calling us to climb higher. That the vistas continue to get greater and greater, and He will show you things that you have not seen yet. And so there is never a place of retirement. There is never a, a place of static living in our relationship. There is never a time for complacency but like David we are to be men that pursue the heart of God that chase after the the heart of God and to never stop chasing to never stop chasing and so we talked about being a godly man and tried to put a definition onto that kind of narrow it into a, a more concrete target of what we're aiming after and you remember that we really landed on the fact that being a godly man refers to having an inward devotion for God that is outwardly displayed that it is that inward devotion that then manifests itself outwards as we chase God we're changed by that pursuit of God amen the closer that we get to God, it's His presence that changes us, and the very pursuit of it changes us. When Jesus was asked, what, what's the greatest of all the commandments, you remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is that? That pursue God. What's the single most important thing? Pursue God. And then life happens around the pursuit of God. So oftentimes we're pursuing life and then trying to fit God into the the pursuit of our life. And, and so that's really where we get that lordship relationship solidified in our life. Really the first step of, of spiritual maturity is the pursuit of God above everything else in my life. And so that means that we need to constantly be reflecting on that relationship. If I'm pursuing a goal, then I'm constantly got it set before me. If you're pursuing a goal in the stock market and you want to have X amount of dollars in it, you're watching every day to see the market go up, the market go down, to know whether or not you want to buy or sell or whether or not you, you want to hold or acquire or decrease, whether you want to diversify or you want to get aggressive right now. You're, you're monitoring it. You're watching it. You're looking at it in terms of the movement of the things that are happening on a daily basis. So when we're going to pursue God with that same type of intensity, when that is going to be the most important thing, then, then we are cognizant of where we are in relationship to God, what's happening, who am I, how are my emotions, where's my intellect, where's my heartstrings, what is happening in my life, and what am I doing to chase after God today. If God's made a left turn, I need to make a left turn, amen? <laughs> Remember how in the nation of Israel, how they camped facing the center and, 
and the Shekinah glory of God, a pillar of fire, and then a pillar of cloud by day. And if that cloud moved, they broke camp. Every single day they started by, where is the Lord, and is the Lord on the move, and wherever he's moving today, I'm moving with the Lord. And then they had their to-do list after that. Then life after that. There's the busyness of life, busyness of our homes, busyness of relationships and careers and paying bills. And there's the busyness to life, but the busyness to life can never overshadow the pursuit of God. But it's easy to get swallowed up in the busyness of life. So we need to be intentional and we need to be focused if we are going to be men that pursue God. So we talked about this devotion to God. What does devotion to God look like? And I remember growing up that, for me, I, I knew that God was there and I knew that Christ had died on the cross. But for me, I just wanted to stay out of trouble with God. That's all. <laughs> just keep a low profile and don't draw attention and just... Just don't get in trouble with him. There was not a pursuit of his heart. There, there, there was not a, an intimacy, a fellowship, a communion. It was, he's up there and I'm down here, and that was about it. Trying to be a good person, trying to obey the rules, stay inside the lines as best I could, asking for forgiveness when I would blow it, but there was never a pursuit of him. So what does pursuing God look like when, when we start to talk about this devotion? What does devotion look like? What's a devoted dog owner look like? You ever see the, the dog shows and the... the <laughs> poofing them up and got the hair dryers and the things and all of the stuff that, that, that they're doing. I mean, they are devoted. <laughs> they are devoted to those dogs. That's a devoted dog owner, a devoted pet owner. What does a devoted pet owner look like? What does a devoted husband look like? What's a devoted father look like? What does a devoted worshiper look like? And that word, that word became the word that, that the Lord kind of gave me for this whole year to just sit and say law on one word, devotion. Not obedience, devotion. Devotion is so far beyond obedience because it connects not the outward but the internal. It's a Attitude of the heart, devotion to God. And so we talked last time, you'll remember, if that's my, if that's my pursuit, if that's where I want to go, then, then what does my devotional life look like? How, how do I evaluate devotion in my life to God? And you remember that in order to be devoted, devoted really speaks about relationship. And so there is a, an intimacy 
that takes place. And if you're going to have intimacy, then there needs to be communication. And that's where we went last time, you'll remember. Communication with God. I have to be able to receive communication from God. If I'm going to be in this relationship with Him. And so we talked about devotions versus Bible study. We talked about the Word of God is alive and powerful and, and that there is a time to just simply let God speak to our heart and to our life. Where it's not about the distance between Jerusalem and Caesarea, it's not about the topography uh, of uh, Israel, it's not about the ascent uh, up to Mount Zion from the Jordan Valley, it's, it's not about the, the information of the Bible, it's about the fact that it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and that God wants to communicate and meet us today to talk about our life. And is there anything that is more exciting than the creator of the universe wanting to sit down and share something with you personally about your life today? I mean, I was sending off the junior hires that are going up to winter camp and, and I was talking about the fact that when, when you set aside time to go meet with God, that, that God honors that. When you seek him, you will find him he says if you draw near to me I will draw near to you and you know and, and I told him that God wants to communicate and that God wants to communicate with them and to make sure and all the fun that they're having their friendships and everything else that's going on up the camp that you would make sure that you still your heart and allow God to speak to you and about how tragic it would be if you just went away and had a great weekend and had a lot of fun and you missed uh, God speaking to you and I thought, man, can you imagine if God would send texts? Can you imagine? Hold on. I just got a text from God. <laughs> and, this is what he, and this is what he said. How tangible and concrete and how absolutely exciting. And you would want to go show everybody, I got a text from God. This was my text. Did you get a text from God today? What did, you, what did God tell you? And yet, through the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what he's doing. He's instant messaging everybody <laughs> directly to your heart and speaking to you. If you'll take the time to listen. And that's what we talked about, listening to God last time. You remember, and we spent time through the Word, taking it out, and then reading until the Lord met us and spoke something to us. That our time of devotion isn't about covering a length of text and it's not about a length of time. It's about an encounter with God and, and how important and vital that, that is. To be able to hear from the person that we love. How isolated and disconnected we become from the person that we love when there is silence. When we can't hear what they're saying or they can't communicate with us. And God wants to communicate with us in the importance of learning how to listen to him every single day. <coughs> Devotion is, requires intimacy. It requires communication. And so 
we looked at that and and today we read again what it means to be a follower of Jesus that that's our identity that's who we are that's what God is turning us into and how the godly man is one that that accepts his manhood as lived out by Jesus and how Jesus set the standard for what it means to be a real man, not the world. The world is trying to tell us what a man looks like. But we, we have the Lord. If you want to know what a man looks like, all you have to do is look at Jesus, the perfect man. And then he says, now follow after me. And so we, we have that clear representation, God manifest in the flesh. And, and he has called us to not only become disciples, right? But he's called us to go and make disciples. To go and make disciples. What does that mean? We're doing it right now. It's us gathering together to help encourage and exhort and pray for and, uh, and, and to be able to move together as disciples, as followers. The, diff the, the technical definition of disciple is a learner, someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else applied to Jesus. A disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. So the ability to communicate with him. So communion with God. Relationship with God. So I want to be devoted to God. I want to make sure that I keep my devotion to God in first place in my life. And so, the Word of God and the place and the role of the Word of God in my life, that place where God now communicates with me. That's half of a relationship. If you're in a relationship and communication is only going in one direction, then that's lacking in true koinonia, in true entanglement, in true communion. And so God doesn't want to be in a one-sided relationship with us. He wants true intimacy with us. And so he has given us the avenue to be able to listen to him and to be able to speak. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is that place where God meets and ministers to us. Of course, God can meet us and minister to us through billboards and friends and random thoughts and songs on the radio. Certainly, God is always seeking to connect and to communicate with us, but... He has said that my holy place of meeting is the Word of God. Just like the temple was a, a physical manifestation of His presence, and certainly God is 
omnipresent, but there was a, a special meeting place where God had given, that he had sanctified and set apart above every other meeting place on the face of the earth. And so we have that tangible, representative, physical word of God, but it's not just a physical word of God. It is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away and my word will abide. How long? Forever. So he invites us. When you want to pursue God, he says, here's the avenue to come listen to me. Come get to know me. Word of God, speak. Won't you pour down like rain? We open up our heart. God, speak to me today. But then he's given us also that, that connection point with him. of us pouring out our heart to him. And that's called prayer. And you'll remember how the disciples, they, they asked Jesus, Jesus, will you teach me to pray? How do I, how do I pray? And, and the single most important word of that, of that prayer, in my opinion, was this. This is how you start off. Daddy. Daddy. Abba. How tender is that? How relational is that? How inviting is that? Not dear God in heaven is hey dad can we talk? I got a lot going on down here. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life I don't understand. What I don't understand is women. I have a wife, a beautiful creature that I just can't understand her. It was so funny. I, I tell you, I said to my wife one day, I said, you know what, honey, I will just tell you something I've been married to for over 15 years, and I do not understand you. And she looked at me, and she smiled, and she said, don't feel bad. I'm over 40 years old, and I don't understand myself. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was encouraged by that or not. <laughs> it's like, how can I understand you if you don't understand you? <laughs> but he said to dwell with them with understanding, to love them. And, and how can I do that apart from the power of God and the insight and provision of grace in, in my life? This marriage covenant of oneness, which is, Paul says, a mystery. <coughs> who can understand it? Who can know it fully? And yet it is the... The, the, the holy calling of every single person that's married. And that's just step one, right? God, I got a lot of stuff going on down here. I'm trying. My flesh rises up all the time. I, I wish I could just walk perfectly in the spirit, <laughs> Lord. I'm trying. And... And he gives you that opportunity, that place to come and to just share your heart of just how's, how are you doing? How are you doing? And that's, and that's your daddy's invitation to come, come talk to him. When you pour your heart out, do you know what happens is, is that your heart attaches. It feels relief now and it, you feel connected and you feel... <coughs> decompressed and you and your soul is buoyed by that 
and he wants that relational relief that comes from sharing what's going on inside of us. I think that oftentimes as men, we're just like, I'm good, I'm okay, and I'm just going to soldier through everything. But when you're just soldiering through everything, two things are happening. Number one, you're isolating yourself. So you're withdrawing from God and other to bear up underneath the difficulties of this world. And Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, trials, and tribulations. But we didn't see Jesus isolating himself from the Father. We see him up early in the morning and departing and spending time, pouring out his, his heart. We saw how real he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, did we not? Man, I mean, it's like, I am going through it, Dad, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I know at some point in time when we were talking, this seemed like a good idea. Right now, with it in front of me, this is not looking like a good idea to me. I agreed to have my flesh just flayed and my body nailed to a cross and having a crown pounded in my head and being rejected and despised by men and being mocked and having one of my best friends turn around and betray me? I don't know. I'm undone, man. And he is sweating drops of blood and he, and he is just saying, is there any other way? Can we do this any other way than the way that, that we had agreed to earlier? But nevertheless, your way is the best way even though I cannot, I cannot see that right now. And what do we see? We see a man just pouring out his heart before his dad. That's prayer. Jesus said it's not these formulas. It's not the vain repetition of these same words over and over and over and over again as if the, as if the number of words that are used is any indication of what the purpose of prayer is is are you talking to your dad who's there to help you and listen and who loves you tenderly deeply powerfully collects every single tear that you've ever cried behind you, collecting every single one of your tears. It's, it's my son. He's having a tough time right now. He knows what you're going through. And he wants you to talk to him about what you're going through. Talk it out. Talk it out. Keep talking to him. In the morning, are you talking to him? At night, are you talking to him? Are you sitting down and having some time in your car as you're driving home and there's no one around? Are you talking to him? That's prayer. Godly men are connected to God, and it's in that relationship, it's in that, that transparency, it's in that authenticity with, with God. That God ministers to us, and he strengthens us and he relieves us empowers us equips us to be able to what stay in the battle to stay in the battle
because the battle belongs to the Lord. So you're on the battlefield God's called you to. Your battlefield. How's your battle going? What's your battlefield looking like? Taking ground, losing ground? Just dug into your foxholes? So, a godly man. It's someone that's listening to God and someone that's talking to God. Not by rote, not by discipline, not by checking boxes. Read the scripture today, check. Did my prayers, check. I'm a godly man. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> and worship. Do you worship? They say that men really aren't connected to their emotions. Anybody ever heard that before? We're really good at thinking, we're not so good at feeling, and we're even worse at communicating. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the mold that we were built into, right? Not be connected to our emotions. As a young boy, we learned we're not supposed to cry. Soldier up. In that place of feelings and emotions, that's not a safe place. We learn to think. We learn to be really good with facts, information. Our communication tends to be in the realm of facts and information because it's safe. They said that <laughs> the reason why men read newspapers is back before everyone's just on. Does anybody even know what a newspaper is <laughs> anymore? You see one of those. But <laughs> they said that, you know, I used to get the morning and the evening news. My dad, you know, I don't know about you guys, you know, but my dad was forever had a newspaper, you know. I mean, just he'd sit on his recliner and he would have his newspaper. He'd be checking, you know, the, the newspaper. And it said that the reason why men read newspapers is that they're arming themselves in case they have to have a conversation with anybody. <laughs> So, hey, if you say hi to me, I'm good to go, you know. We can talk about coronavirus. I can talk about the Golden Knights with you right now, the stadium that's being built. You know, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> How are you doing? What? No, let's talk about the Golden Knights. Eight-game winning streak. <laughs> Three words that men are notorious for having a difficulty of saying. Eight letters. I love you. <coughs> Worship is saying I love you to God. And the ability for us to get out of our intellect and into our heart and into our emotion 
and to recognize what does love feel like. They say that the definition of love sits in the left side of the brain, but the meaning and the feeling of love is over on the right side. And the world has programmed us to be disconnected from our emotions. A lot of times we were raised in homes where we had a disconnected father. I know if you're older, they used to say that children are to be seen and not hurt. Lest that newspaper come down. But God <coughs> says, listen, I'm love. I am love. I created you to love and to be loved. And I'm inviting you to learn and to exercise, expressing it, feeling it, talking about it. And then do you know what? It's going to work its way out of your life to those people that are around you. See, if you're not good at saying I love you to God, you're probably not good at saying I love you to your wife or to your kids or to the people that are around you. If you're not good at sharing your heart with God, then you're probably not good at sharing your heart with anybody. And you're living isolated and imprisoned within yourself. Not what God wants for you. It's not what being a man is. It's what the world tells us and taught us and and suddenly now we see the Lord pulling us out and pulling down and trying to tear down all, all of that stuff that, <coughs> that the world put in. The world socialized us as men vertically. Who can run faster, throw farther? Who, who can compete with one another so that we know there's a, a, a pecking order amongst men where we're constantly looking at each other and, and evaluating where we are on, on this vertical assimilation so that if we're constantly competing with one another, then how do you have unity? You see, the Word of God teaches us that we're a family, that we're brothers. You'll know that you're my disciples by the what? By the love that you have one another. So worship is about you telling God that you love Him and connecting your feelings of love for God and expressing it and giving it expression. I would exhort and encourage us to be the best worshipers that there are in the church. If we're the leaders, as the leaders go, the group goes. But that means that we have to really kind of take a look at what worship is. It's not a sing-along. And even then, not a show of hands, but asking this, Who's even singing?
well, I don't have a good voice. I'm not comfortable with it. It's not my style of music. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. It's got too many drums. It doesn't have enough drums. It becomes a consumer product, like we're listening to the radio. It's like, what is that? Right? This was a place for you to be able to come in and say, I love you. And to practice saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And the more that we say, I love you, the easier it starts to get, the more we start to get connected, the more we start to feel it, the more we start to engage into this incredible experience that God's invited us into. And that for all eternity. So, it's like we, we need to really... <coughs> If we're going to be intentional about our relationship with God, we've got to first recognize it's a relationship. And what kind of a relationship does God want? He wants a loving relationship with you. Not fear-based, love-based. Not performance-based. Listen to that again. Not performance-based, love-based. Huge difference. How quick we can fall back into evaluating ourselves on performance instead of on intimacy. Relationship is evaluated by intimacy, not by performance. So that means communication, listening to God, spending time listening to Him. That's time in the Word. Time pouring your heart out and talking to Him about what you're going through, what's life like, what's it like being a man today in your shoes with, uh, with the challenges that you've got in front of you. He cares about that. And then the opportunity to just set it all down and to get lost in the love of God. You ever see two people that are newly in love? It's hard not to notice them. They just are so syrupy and sweet. It's like gives you cavities watching them. <laughs> and nothing bothers them. Oh, my car caught on fire yesterday. Oh, it just doesn't matter because I'm in love. It feels so good. This is amazing. And you know what? They won't stop talking about it, right? They won't stop talking about this person in their life. It's like, I know, she's wonderful, perfect. Da, da, da. Can we talk about the Golden Knights? No. You know what she said to me yesterday? <laughs> Here's a look at she texted me again. <laughs> and how wonderful it is to the soul to be loved and to be in love. And God has invited you into that relationship with Him. The eternal fountainhead of love. As you will draw near to Him, as you will cultivate your relationship with Him, you're going to experience the love of God. The love of God. That sense of well-being, that sense of peace, that sense of safety, that sense of security. Is everything going right in your life? No, but it doesn't even matter because God loves me. And I'm good. 
And he's got his hand on me and he's watching me and he's talking to me. <laughs> and one day, we're going to hang out for all eternity together and I can't, and I can't wait. May this be a year that we press forwards in this incredible invitation. You're salvation when you went forwards and said yes was the beginning of your relationship that was the starting point and now we get to continue to grow in that relationship with him so i want to give us some time in the groups uh real quick we've gotten three questions and they're really the questions that we've been talking about here if we can throw those up on the uh, on the screen I really wanted us to be able to evaluate and discuss your life as a worshiper. I want to evaluate and discuss uh, your life as it relates to, was there a different, uh, is that the different? Uh, yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, well, well, we will... Uh, We'll do these, okay, as a worshiper. I changed the second one to evaluate and discuss your life as it relates to prayer and then evaluate and discuss your life as it relates to the word. Um, and so the three things we talked about, how are you doing with the word, how are you doing with worship, how are you doing with prayer? And, and just where do we need to grow? Where, where, where are we more comfortable over on the information side? Or are we connected to God with our heart? And are we experiencing love? And are we communicating our love to God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your time. Where two or more are gathered, you're there with us. So thank you for just being with us today. And God, would you help us not to be hearers only, but Lord, just propel us towards you. <laughs> Help us to be still and know. Help us to be honest with each other right now and honest with ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.